Hi, and welcome to a new episode of the State of the Vet podcast. I'm Paolo Valdemarin. And I'm Ewan Semple. And this is episode 25.2. I was going to say, it's not quite new, is it? Yeah, we already recorded this episode a couple of days ago, but then we had some technical glitch, so we're recording it again. Technology, eh? Yeah, we hate it. So there is this new thing that uh, it never happened to me before. I use uh, iCloud to store the recordings of the podcast because I don't have a lot of disks and uh, you know I have plenty of storage on in the cloud. But what has been happening is that every time I start GarageBand, it doesn't have to just download the last file I was working on, but apparently it downloads all the open recent files. So Whoa. it takes 10 minutes every time. It's just stupid. So, okay, so you're meaning that the actual files, GarageBand files are stored in the cloud, okay. Because yeah. I, don't have sto- I don't have storage. So right. basically every time I save a file to the disk, Five minutes later, it's gone. It, <laughs> right. it gets uploaded and removed from the disk, which is great. And, you know, I love the fact that technology... You, I don't have any control, and that is probably something slightly yeah. annoying. Yeah. Is this idea of not being... I mean, okay, you have this very clever thing that does things by itself, but it's just not clever enough. Did, yeah. you, see the, did, you, did you see the launch of the... I didn't know. I didn't. It was it was amazing. I I I've been following all those news, so basically I was stuck to the YouTube channel for twenty four hours, and it's it is incredible. Um, but what I found most interesting is there were some people comparing the user interface of the old uh, space shuttle with this new you know three screen couple of dozen buttons and that's it very sleek what no one was really saying is that uh, the pilots were not really piloting piloting anything they were just sitting there because it's completely self-guided yeah so you know they weren't in control either and it's 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 quite deeply disconcerting isn't it i mean it's like we were talking the other day about the photo management and you know live photo or photos as it's now called on the Mac and iOS devices, it's really clever. I mean, you know, it, it's making taking photographs and sharing photographs easier, arguably, than it's ever been. But there are some things, like having a 5,000 photograph limit on shared albums, that means that I can't share my whole library with the rest of my family. And I ended up doing this really clunky, shifting big amounts of photos and moving them from one account to the other on the computer and blah, blah, blah. And of course, each time I'm moving them, it's all trying to synchronize up the different accounts with the cloud again. So I have to wait, you know, for like a day for it all to happen. Oh, just and and I know there'll be people, maybe one or two people who, who use PCs will be listening to this, thinking, ah, well, that's what you get for going with Apple. If you had an Android device, you'd be in control of all these things. But it is, yeah, yeah I know, no. I know. I didn't believe it as I said it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I look. I mean, I I wasn't aware. I never tried to to share more than five thousand photos with anyone. But I must say that the the management of photos these days on the Apple platform. I'm not saying it's not good on other platforms as well. It's is very good. Oh, so, yeah. Actually, we did cover this very same topic on the last episode, so we should just did we? 
Yeah, thing remember is, we said uh, you can you can search photos in photos. Oh, that's true. Well, I'm, I'm the thing is I'm I'm sort of becoming increasingly feeling like I'm like I'm Bill Murray in, in Groundhog Day, um, and I think a lot of people are beginning to feel this with the, with the lockdown. You know, I'll just sort of get up and I'll make a coffee and I'll let the cat out and I'm thinking, was this did I have I done this already today or, or was this yesterday <laughs> or you know. <laughs> Yeah, as they say, 2020 is uh, January, February, March, July, August, September. Well, yeah, somebody was saying it's a special leap year. There's 29 days in February, uh, there's five months in March, and six years, six in, years April. in April. <laughs> I saw that. Uh-huh. It was brilliant. But we're, uh, we, we were, okay, we, what we can't do is go through this whole podcast saying what we were talking about the last time we recorded this. But, um, it was kind of along that theme, wasn't it, of of agency and loss of control and um, and Westworld and Westworld things. <laughs> Talk about loss of control, goodness me. So yeah, we we should do the warning again that we we will. I mean, massive um, spoilers in this. So if you haven't watched Westworld, um, switch off now because uh, it's and, and go watch Westworld and go watch Westworld. Uh, but it, it was just. And I did people... For those of you, for for those of you who are just back after watching Westworld, <laughs> welcome back. <laughs> you will recover eventually. Because <laughs> yeah, so many people had told me that I should watch it, and I'd kind of ignored them. But boy, should I have watched it before? Because um, it touches on so many themes that that I'm fascinated by. You know about consciousness and artificial intelligence and morality and ethics and power and governments and structures and technology it's just got the lot and it and it's so cleverly mixed together in this time shifting mind bending clinging desperately to any form of narrative i mean it looks it makes game of thrones look like enid brighton in terms of the unpredictable storyline um but fascinating oh, I w- loved it oh it, yeah no me too i i liked it very much especially the the third season when it kind of reconnect with the quote unquote the real world, yeah, and uh, it's uh, it's uh, yeah, it's it's very complex, and it, there are quite a few interesting ideas around, you know, consciousness. Uh, are these machines conscious, and uh, what defines that? It's uh, pretty good, and uh, I also like very much the idea of. Uh, using the simulation as a way to collect information about the behavior of people so that you can eventually build a supercomputer that can yeah. predict what everybody will do. Like that's not happening to us now. <laughs> hello, hello, Mr. Zuckerberg. Uh, I'm here. Yeah, well, I mean, given the type of ads I'm seeing, let's say if well, that is what they're on to, so uh, it's probably not working. <laughs> that's so true. Well, well, uh, well I hope... God, can you imagine the dystopian world we would end up if they did take the algorithm seriously? Goodness me. But it's funny with, with Westworld because you're right, the, the last series was the one that really stretched you and made you think hard. But I found myself getting... Well, when I watched the first series, I was I was a bit upset at the level of violence and, and blood, you know, blood guts and whatever. But I found myself in the last series feeling nostalgic for the good old days of just simple carnage when you didn't have to think too much about it. Well, but so talking about simple worlds, carnage, and and so there are bits of the last show which have scenes of rioting and 
anarchy breaking out and just uncannily paralleled by what's happening in America at the moment. And uh, it's just watching the television. I was about to say not to get political, but it's beyond political, isn't it? I mean, it's it's it is like watching yeah. it's like watching Breaking Bad and yeah, you know, everything combined is horrendous. Yeah, it's odd. I mean, it's uh, it's it, you really have the feeling that there are good people and bad people. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it yeah. feels as a show from that point of view because it's not even about ideologies anymore. I mean, it's like it's. Is being anti-racist an ideology? I mean, it's like, really? It's almost feel like being human. Yeah, it's, totally, uh, totally. What do you think of uh, Twitter and Facebook opposite reactions? Well, you know, we've talked about this in previous podcasts. My, I know, but somebody lost the file. Not the last recording, previously, even more previously. Um, the, you know, the... I, I've got mixed feelings about it because I, I don't want... And, and, you know, it's all confused by our Twitter or Facebook media companies or not. Um, they're not generating the content. Are they responsible for the content they then publish? And I'm uncomfortable with them assuming the role of arbiters of truth or good taste or whatever, cultural norms, not least because it's an almost impossible task given the vast numbers of people that use their systems all around the world with entirely different well not entirely different we're all human beings to your point but it 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 just i don't know it makes me feel uneasy i don't think twitter did the wrong thing i think the way they handled it was actually very effective um you know not not deleting trump's posts or banning them or anything but just putting them behind a, a bit of effort to go and look um was a good response but i and it's hard not to see Zuckerberg as, as fudging it and not coming out and making a decent decision. So I don't know. How about you? Well, yeah, no, I, I agree that the way Twitter handled it is is interesting. And uh, the fact that people are claiming that they're being censored is bullshit in the sense that they have not been censored. They just yeah. added a note to the post. Um, I think that there is a little bit of a false dichotomy between you know are there media company or they're not media company uh, of course they're not media company i mean trying to fit the re regulation of yeah. media companies to social media doesn't make any sense nope. uh, they are a new thing so try to apply old laws to new things it's silly yeah um i do think that the problem i mean I, I do think that they're winging it. They're trying to figure out what to do, and it's uh, and and the real challenge is that uh, you know even no decision is a decision, yeah. Yeah. and uh, and uh, and you know it's hard. So you know why I would like to ask Zuckerberg, you know why yes racism no nipples. <laughs> yes. No, it's it's like okay okay you don't want to be you don't want to be the judge of that but you are actually making a decision you are saying that that is not appropriate so it's it's about where you put that limit right yeah totally and and that's what i mean it's it's a very murky complex i'm not sure they're gonna end up doing the right thing kind of a world to, to step into isn't it and if you think about it it's also very related to who is watching what 
I mean, what is considered decent in one country might not totally. be considered decent in another. And uh, for these multinational companies that actually operate everywhere, mm-hmm. uh, do they follow different rules in different places? Yeah. I mean, if you are Facebook in a dictatorship, is going to be a different Facebook than Facebook in a democracy? And Facebook in an American democracy is supposed to be working different from Facebook in the you know british democracy i mean it's it's so hard <laughs> and you're doing this in the context that might, america might, might be morphing into a dictatorship at the same time anyway so it, it... yeah <sighs> probably not anytime soon but it does it's not looking good so it, it's it relates to a, a post i shared on on facebook by a, an advaita well he's not actually he's, he's just a very interesting thinker about consciousness and what it means and but he had this great post about our desire to do the right thing, to do good. And Mm -hmm. I I can't do it justice now, but a very compelling and interesting argument about how problematic it is and how concepts like good and bad are themselves very problematic and very contextual and very varied. And, um, you know, even down to the thing about Black Lives Matter and then people getting all bent out of shape about All Lives Matter. And, you know, I don't... I don't take part to some extent in that tit for tat backwards and forwards kind of posting because yes it's awful and yes it's endemic and we should all be doing whatever we can to prevent racism or sexism or all all the horrendous injustices that still happen but shouting about them and telling other people how to behave from my perspective just inflates it all, makes it worse and polarises. That's, that's the kind of amplifying that we're watching happening on the web all the bloody time on every every topic under the sun. And it, can, it doesn't make it better. But the, the, you're then left, as I am, worrying, gosh, am I just standing back and letting injustice happen? You know, so it's really, really tough not, not to make things worse and trying to make them better, <laughs> whatever better I mean, means, uh, you know? Yeah, I, I think if this is the same post I remember... It was very interesting because it was saying, you know, people trying to do the right thing, people trying to be good, usually create huge disasters. And rather than trying to be good, you should try to be wise. Yes. And I like the idea of, at least the way I interpreted it, is it's not about coming with a predefined, with a preconcept about what good is, but you, it is basically... yeah being present and reacting to what is happening to you so you're not uh, you're not doing of course you carry with you your values and your ideas but you, you don't have a predefined concept of what is good and bad uh, which is probably a little bit of the challenge uh, it, it is a challenge when you you ask a, an infrastructure like a social media platform yeah. to basically be good and yeah exactly so I, I do like the idea of, you know, try to be wise, try to try to do the right thing, try to react uh, as yeah. much as possible in, uh, in, in the right way and uh, influence what you can. But, uh, you know, be in the moment and not just come with a whole bunch of preconcepts. Yeah, and, and being different. I was t- chatting to a friend a black friend on Facebook who's suffered abuse here in the in the UK. Her brother 
got beaten up and just just shit, you know. And so she was feeling, should she leave Facebook because of Zuckerberg's decision, whatever. And we were just chatting about it on Facebook. And, you know, I was making this point that, that, that toxicity is there and, you know, you can try and filter it out, but I then feel, am I running away by filtering it out? And then I was saying to that, I think the way the most we can do, the best we can do, as you say, Paolo, is just to be different and to act different and to be visible acting differently or responding differently to the world around us in the hope that other people watch that and decide they want some of it and it shifts in that direction because anything else just tends to wind things up, doesn't it? I think that there is also this idea of, uh, and probably the strongest reaction that you could have to Facebook is not to leave, but is to stop allowing Facebook to change you or to make you feel things. Yes. I mean, it's just a bloody website. You are not <laughs> suffering. From so, I mean, yes. I guess that the, the problem is that the way Facebook is designed is to try to trigger emotions so that uh, it becomes more engaging and basically it, it attracts you. And, uh, you know, I, I was having a, a, a discussion recently with a friend uh, who was very upset about the news. And I was saying, look, I, I understand and I, I agree that what is happening is bad, but it doesn't make sense for you to be upset yeah. because totally. because it doesn't really change anything. And I'm not saying that you need to be insensible, but just being carried away by yep. fear, by rage, by by all the feelings that these systems uh, are designed to trigger is what makes them win. So, and I, you know, it's, it's hard because, uh, mm -hmm. because, you know, it's a form of addiction to some degree. And, uh, you know, as, as you teach me, it's easier to just step away and stop doing that altogether than trying to be moderate. Uh, but uh, I think that the, the real, skill that we all need to develop is how do we stay on Facebook but without getting carried away yeah. by emotions because I think that that will allow us to be to be much more you know wise and to yeah. be able to react in a in a more balanced way and if we get enough people to behave like that then you can finally use Facebook as a way to communicate with your friends to be up to date to be informed which are all great things without uh, being addicted and without being sad or mad or whatever you know strong emotion facebook is triggering but that's what that's where it's a great training ground in some respects um because that thing about triggering you know that's that's the little me that's the ego that's just the sort of vulnerable self that feels it has to defend itself against all comers and you know again we've talked about this before about the narrative we build up about what i am and what you are and why it's different and why i need to defend myself against you and those are the buttons that those platforms are so good at pressing that i you know i genuinely use it almost as a as a practice a sort of mindfulness practice of just being able to be in that space and when something triggers me instead of reacting just notice the triggering and just think, oh, hang on, I've just kicked off. What, what's, what's happening here? Why am, why am I getting bent out of shape by those few words on that screen on my phone? And 
as you say, then being able to just in that moment step back and just think, well, it's not, it's not real, actually. Um, in fact, I posted about this, about being buffeted backwards and forwards by, oh, that's terrible, oh, that's great, I wish it was like that, how could they do that? And to remind ourselves that it, it, none of it's real. And, of course, the first thing somebody came back and says, well, this suffering is real, of course it's real. <laughs> no, 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 that wasn't what I meant. You know, it's not happening to you here now. You know, it doesn't, doesn't mean you don't care about it, but it does mean that you don't totally get immersed in it or bent out of shape by it. I guess the whole point is because I care, the fact that I can step back and understand that this is not happening to me, I am not the one suffering, allows me to have a better reaction and maybe to do something about totally. it. Totally. Which is better than walking away and say, you know, I or can't deal with Or getting wound I mean, up and doing uh, the wrong thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah or, exactly. Or, or, <laughs> or the opposite. Yeah. So... And I think that's, that, that's true in life generally, you know, it's just that it's a bit more, as is everything, amplified uh, in the online world. And what's fascinating is that it's so cerebral. It is genuinely only happening in our heads, the whole thing, the whole experience. It's just little flickering lights on a screen that we interpret and read into all sorts of massive things that we're just making up, you know, and remembering that would be would be a good thing. Because by not remembering it and by engaging in it and indulging in it, that's what gives plonkers like Trump power. That's what, yep. get, that's what gives them the levers, levers and the buttons to press that makes people behave in ridiculous ways. Don't let them. Yeah, and, it, and we can probably say that a pretty big chunk of people that follow him are exactly the type of people who want to do good. Yes. Yes, I mean, I don't think there is a... a nobody wakes up in the mornings and thinks, I'm going to be a wee shit. You know, they're, they're all trying to be uh, good in misconceived I, I ways. Guess, look, I, I was watching earlier today, I was practicing uh, moderation and self-control by watching a video on Facebook of some lady in a demonstration of a new group of whackers coming out in, in Italy who was basically saying of how the prime minister got in touch with uh, Bill Gates who got 140 million dollars so that they can inject uh, mercury in the veins of people so that with 5G we, they can control them and raise the temperature of their body and kill them <laughs> or something along this line and and uh, and I mean I, I had read a couple of posts that were basically saying this story, but then for the first time I clicked and, and actually watched the video. And this lady, she was distraught. I mean, she was yelling in the top of her yeah. voice from yeah. the scene. I mean, she, she was really concerned that this was happening. Yeah. In her mind, this was true. Yeah, was yeah. And, and, and it's like saying, look, uh, she, I, I still think you're an idiot, but I'm sort of sorry of the fact that you're feeling this because it's clearly wrong. Well, that's where, that's where I mean, I've said to the kids in lots of conversations about the only way to deal, and it sounds so counterintuitive, but the only to, way to deal with somebody like Hitler is to try to have compassion for them. Can you imagine what it's like to live in a world where behaving like that seems okay? It's hell on earth. Or travel back in time and kill him, but... but... <laughs> Well, obviously, so then you get into the whole thing about 
you know, the episodes of Doctor Who where it gets very dodgy if you go back in time and you try and change things. And because of the whole Buddhist interconnected thing about everything that's happening now is an inevitable consequence of all the things that have happened before, the good and the bad. And, and there we are, we're back to good and bad. If you eliminate all the bad things, the world just goes completely tits up because they're part of life. I don't know, but we can't try anyway, so there's no point discussing that. <laughs> Maybe it would be good, right? You, you, take, you remove all the bad thing and then we're here, happy. But how would you know what was good then if all the bad had gone? I feel good. It's like I'm here. I'm nah. probably, if everything was good, I would be on the beach with a cocktail. You'd get and... bored. I've been on those beaches in fancy places with cocktails and you get bored after five minutes. You want a bit of conflict and distress just to make yourself feel awake. All right. All right. I, I, I was conflicted about which cocktail, but <laughs> more conflict. Well, and I gave up drinking, so that solved the problem another way. <laughs> But I did hear that you have a, kind of a beach in a garden now. <laughs> An inflatable pool. That's, that's, that's cool. It's, well, it, it, it was a result but because it was ridiculously exp expensive because people are putting premiums on them because nobody can get a hold of them. Um, and it's just very cheaply made. Uh, but... My daughter emailed back and uh, said there's a problem with it, it's leaking slightly and there's a bit that's distorted and they said, oh, have another one. <laughs> so we're now going to have two large inflatable pools in the back garden. So how posh is that? Sell tickets. <laughs> I mean, I hope that you enjoyed them uh, during the the spring and summer that just finished today. Well, it's, yeah, I know, I know. I, I, I have no idea if this is true, but some say that this is the driest spring since 1929 yeah i saw in your blog post yeah yeah which makes me think that you know dry springs come with the economic crash of the century you'll be believing in astrology next mm, no probably not but the, the it's... but you can't you you can't tell me that this is a coincidence right <laughs> But that was funny because we were talking about the weather. This is not an unrelated ramblings, although it may sound like that to anybody who's still listening. But that whole thing about control and needing to feel in control or, you know, we were talking about the weather and how let down or annoyed my wife can be when it's not the weather that they said it was going to be. You know, oh, it, this they said it would be sunny. <laughs> he guaranteed that it would. <laughs> That's right. It's, you know, it was on the BBC. It must have been, you know. And whereas I'll just really genuinely not care. And I'll wake up and go, oh, okay, it's raining. I'll put a coat on. Um, if it didn't rain, we wouldn't have green grass. And, you know, it's just, it's, but, but it's the fact that people have sort of been given this expectation that we've got the technology that allows us to predict accurately what the weather's going to be and then when it doesn't shape up the way they expect they get all annoyed by it uh, I, I have endless discussions with relatives who are not upset about the the forecast being wrong but they are upset about the weather it's hot, it's cold it's humid It's and it's like what is the point of complaining about that? Yeah. It's like, it's it's too hot. I mean, I'm sweating. It's like, yes. And, and complaining about it is probably going to make you hotter and not solve any part of the problem. But, you know, we're only human. And, and I, I genuinely think it relates to how we interact with our 
tools as well, you know, going back to the conversation about the photographs and how, you know, we get given so much that it can do and then get annoyed when it can't, you know, and, and feel let down when it can't and stressed when it can't. Oh, talk, talking about stressed, I have two very elderly parents and my mum's uh, had to go into hospital and she's now in a care home and my dad's trying to go and visit her. And uh, he's never been there before, so he realises he'll need some kind of guidance. So he's reading the manuals. He's still got two cars, so he's reading the manuals for both cars and doesn't understand either of them. He's got no clue how to use the sat-nav. So he thinks he'll use his iPhone, um, which he doesn't touch from one month to the next. So Muggins here is trying to talk him through setting up his setting up um, Apple Maps to get him to this place on his iPhone. And my mm -hmm. goodness, you know... Just that, and it's it's a salutary lesson actually. Just how challenging technology can be to to some people, and for understandable reasons, you know. I think the low point was when he said, "What I was saying, you know, you make sure you've charged it up before you leave, or be able to charge it in the car." Said, how do I do that? Well, you plug it into the USB socket. What's a USB socket? And that was the point I began to crumple. Yeah, I mean it's. It's much easier to use, but the level of complexity is orders of magnitude larger than it. Yeah. So I actually think it's interesting how there is a, a, a certain generation that uh, perhaps were the first to engage with digital technology mm -hmm. and, uh, and basically at some point were left behind. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, they're very comfortable with with stuff that is complicated like you know file systems and stuff and in databases and yeah. folders but yeah. then but then when you get to okay now you have to turn on find my phone they don't no and it's like that because dad used to work in computing and as you say he, he, he's no f not afraid of complexity but that's the problem because he tries to yeah. make things complicated and like even things like he, uh, you know, I'm able to discern that he's got to the bit of, of maps where it's asking him to search for something. And, you know, I know that the search field at the top with the magnifying glass and the flashing cursor in it is where his eyes should have gone. But no, mm -hmm. he reads the entire list of everything else that's on that page. About wh wh where's my car and favourite restaurants near you. And I'm going, no, no, Dad, just type the <laughs> bloody postcode into the bit that's flashing. <laughs> well, he suddenly put that there. It's important. Huh? <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah, and now they ha they did pilot a s spacecraft on a touchscreen. How cool is that? I know. Well, and 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 there's that's the kind of contrast, isn't it? I mean, you've got a billionaire uh, funding, sort of privately, if you like, this thing flying over. A world that's kind of falling apart. Well, I mean, he's charging NASA. NASA is paying for the privilege, so. Well, this is true, but so, but yeah, I mean, somebody made that point the other day that actually most large-scale technological advances are still government-funded by some method or route, um, which I thought was an interesting point to make. But nonetheless, it's that contrast between the capability capability of doing that at the same time as everything else underneath seems to be falling apart. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it is interesting in terms of technology how SpaceX brought a completely different angle to rocket science. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, and how they went. Uh, it was in the presentation. Uh, it, it was almost odd the fact that uh, the spokesperson for NASA was sort of admitting this. And we say, at NASA, we always look at everything all the way down to the smallest detail. Uh, while And this means that it takes a lot of time and a lot of money to do anything. While SpaceX have this much faster iteration cycle, and uh, and it is true because it's it's incredible how fast they were able to do. I mean, the fact that they land the booster back on Earth on a floating boat, yeah. actually a drone boat in the middle of the ocean by itself, <laughs> and uh, and I mean they have been doing this quite consistently for the last few years. I mean they had very small number. I mean after the first few incident and and this was the whole point they tried they failed but they figure out what was the, the, to fix they fix it tried again yeah. failed fix it tried again failed but they have been doing this so quickly that they were able to progress much faster than anybody else because if you look at the difference between the technology used uh, uh, even the latest version of technology used on a space shuttle, that which was a 1981 the core technology, uh, but it did get a few updates. And what was used last week? I mean, it's it's just a completely different generation. And basically, we're nine years since the last shuttle mission. Interesting. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that SpaceX events are almost more interesting than new apple products almost but i, I was thinking yeah. i was thinking as you were describing that iterative fail fast and learn kind of process and just thinking gosh could we apply that to civic life could we apply that to government or democracy or because we tend to get stuck i mean one of my daughters was talking about bizarrely she was watching prime minister's question time today and just all the antiquated rituals in there and not to be against rituals, rituals have their place, but, you know, we've been basically trying to follow the same way of doing things for centuries, and it appears not to be working anymore. Well, I guess that part of it would be decentralizing and working at uh, at a com smaller yeah. community level. Totally. Um, because, you know, th there is a lot of a lot of things that were provided by a centralized system that are might not no longer be necessary. Yeah. Um, while others are, I mean, the NHS is a pretty good thing to have and to have centralized and to have, uh, you know, be able to shift resources quickly and yeah. to negotiate quickly is good. If you look at, uh, for example, healthcare in Italy, uh, at some point, one of the, which is regional, at some point, one of the problem they had is that from Lombardy, it was easier to move uh, a sick person to Germany than to the neighbor <laughs> region. Well, but then, yeah, and that, and that <clears throat> begs the question about national boundaries, doesn't it, as well? And but, but on the other hand, you know, if you work on smaller scale, you can run experiments and you can yeah. have a, you know, you can have a let a thousand flower bloom approach and and see what works what doesn't and then embrace what is what is working better and you solve that problem of interoperability between the small units better you know it, it's not inevitable that small units can't talk together and work together yeah i, I guess that the problem is that in 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 civic environments uh, very often if you do something very wrong people suffer yeah so 
you know, in, 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 it's not like, oh, you know, let's try to see if we can use this methodology to support, you know, the thing. And if you fail, what happens? So failure well, is a bit more risky. But, but you, on the other hand, the point is that we just continue continue using the old wrong that's methods right, that's for right. no reason at all. That's right. And uh, we're still making mistakes and people I was still gonna suffer. Still people so. still suffer, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah. If we do this with a giant methodology, then people will suffer, you know, unlike what is happening now in this country. <laughs> well, but that's, we, but that's been the threat. Thousands of people died. That's been the threat of chaos. That, that those in power have have manipulated for centuries. You know, I mean, that, that if we don't look after everybody, if we don't maintain control, we will end up with chaos, and chaos will be distressed and painful, and people will die, and blah blah blah. And you think, well, that's what's happening now. How much worse can it get? You know, well, it can get worse. I'm not being naive about that, but it, certainly, it's, fear is a great control mechanism. That's for sure. And with this nugget of wisdom, or better, slightly negative wisdom, I think we can wrap up this episode. Stay safe. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye.